0: Anyway, back to the podcast. This year I I don't know about you whether it's whether I'm just getting old or something, but I've noticed um 44 now uh, that I love routine more than anyone, uh, more than anything. Anyone here a fan of like things, you know, predictable routines that are the same? Or do, are you who likes everything changing all the time and spontaneity and routine? Okay, about half and half maybe, but my wife, is; she loves things constantly changing. But um, I am someone who loves things to stay the same. I love things to be predictable. I love to kind of know, you know, just kind of roughly what's happening and it's to stay the same. This year, no matter um, what job you do, where you're from, one thing I can guarantee that we have in common is that this year has just been brutal in terms of exposing you, whether you like it or not, to just a kind of relentless chaos. We have, as a, as a nation, as a, as a world, continued to experience that. I heard a, a report on the radio saying, do you realize a year ago, everyone was thinking, this will be the year where we get the vaccine, and the vaccine completely makes you know, uh, COVID a thing of the past. And I think most of us were hoping that that was going to be true, and no, thank God for the vaccines. But obviously, they haven't meant that COVID is a thing of the past. This year has continued to be um, an incredibly, you know, chaotic year. And I think the thing about things being out of your control is that it has two impacts. Number one, it's exhausting. When you are consistently feeling like you do not have control, it, is, it can be so tiring. And number two, it can actually lead to you feeling kind of, not just tired, but almost despairing, right? You can just feel like, what, what is going on? I had these plans, and so many of them have not been what I hoped they would be. And here is the honest truth. To some degree, change and sort of chaos and unpredictability is here to stay. It is kind of part of life. Yes, the pandemic has exacerbated that, but the reality is that is true. So the real question today is then, what do we do with that? How do we actually get vision for 2022 that is real and authentic and not just a lot of hype and kind of pipe dreams, bearing in mind the fact that the reality is nobody really knows (laughs) what 22 is gonna be like. You know, CEOs of major companies are all saying, we, we really don't know. We can kind of guess. But, you know, more than ever, this, this world we're living in is humbled and realizing we have to live a bit differently. Now, this, if you're a Christ follower, this is where the really good news comes in. Because if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Psalm 105. And what we see is a different approach to vision in Psalm 105. And in fact, the whole Bible. And this is the basic idea. Rather than primarily looking ahead and providing a bulletproof, micro-detailed plan for the next year, the Bible doesn't tend to do that, as you probably know. What it does do is this. It encourages you to, more than ever, develop a rigorous, faith-filled, intentional way of actually looking back. Looking back. There's a beautiful word called the examen, which is from um, the Latin, I think, just to literally consider yourself. And and there's there's an ancient monastic tradition of examining your life at the end of a day, regularly, daily, weekly, monthly. You look back. You don't just rush relentlessly forward, but you pause and you think, now, what has happened in the last day or week or month or year that the Spirit of God wants me to notice? And what you see in Psalm 105 is the psalmist knows this. And this is an amazing psalm of vision. But here's the thing. It isn't primarily giving us this very specific plan for the year ahead. What he is saying is, oh Israel, when you look back and you consider your story and you think about the way that God has led you, it is being chaotic. (laughs) We're going to see four scenes of kind of chaos that this little group of people went through. And as I look at these, I think, yeah, these kind of sound familiar. I can kind of identify with all four of them. But what we're gonna see is it's not just, yeah, it was kind of chaos, wasn't it, for you, in that journey, but here's the really big idea, is that you can't ultimately deny that although their journey wasn't linear, like a linear linear line that we all want, right, in business, I want it to be like this, ever advancing in a straight line, No, no. The the, the people of God's story, when you look back, was wiggly. It was like this. It was all over the place. But here's the big idea. When you read it, and we'll see it today, when you review and you look back, you go, I cannot deny that although there was some level of chaos and turbulence and unpredictability and all these things happened, there was a faithful king over and through and almost in the chaos that's what you see that is the great hope of the christian way of living it is not a bulletproof plan for the future i cannot give you that but what i can do is say as we come under the bible we see this amazing new way of living where our posture is actually review 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 and as we do that and as you think about your life and you think about this last year we go god you have been faithful you have been a king over the chaos of my life You have been a king through it from start to finish. And what that means is, as I therefore think about the future, do you know what, my heart is filled with faith even though I don't know exactly what's gonna happen. Because I'm learning to trust the king who is always the one who rules over these things. And there's four scenarios we're gonna look at. We're gonna see chaotic scenario one is they are small but protected. The king protects them, even though at one season, we're going to read, they are a small little group that's nomadic and being, you know, moving around a lot. The second scenario is that they are led into being starving hungry, but they are ultimately provided for. The king provides for them. Thirdly, they are led to be enslaved. God allows them to be enslaved in their history. But then he gloriously sets them free and finally, they are then sent out yet again, but with glorious, kingly guidance every step of the way. And I think we, we will see ourselves in each of those four scenarios. We'll just spend a few moments on each. So let's read then from Psalm 105 from the beginning. We'll read the first 11 verses, which are kind of like this dramatic build-up to scenario one. The small but protected uh, scenario that I think really we will identify with. Verse 1. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him, O sanctuary. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Okay? So he's going to talk about these four difficult scenarios that they they lived through, that you will see yourself in. But he calls them wonderful acts. These things that God let happen in your life that were painful, they were painful. But somehow with the king in charge they become a wonderful act. Glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders that he has done, his miracles, the judgments he pronounced. You, his servants, descendants of Abraham, his chosen one, the children of Jacob, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The promises he made for a thousand generations. The covenant he made with Abraham. He swore to Isaac and he confirmed it to Jacob as a decree. To Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. Okay, so this is really kind of dramatic. Big build up, right? And then gear change. Here we go. Scenario one that sounds actually not quite as amazing as the build-up would potentially suggest. Scenario one, they are described as small, fragile, weak, but protected. Here we go, verse 12. When they were but few in number, few indeed, I love that, it's just like really, really, really small, and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation From kingdom to another, but he allowed no one to oppress them. For their sake, he rebuked kings. Hey, don't touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. This is a beautiful opening scenario. Small, but protected. Small, but protected. So just picture this scene. If you don't know it, Israel is led, their great-great-grandfather Abraham pagan sun worshipping guy just gets called randomly by God to start this new people and he's talking about the early stages of this great people when they were small nomadic and wandering around they were fragile they were foreigners and they were almost like unfocused it seemed they were just wandering around so here we go God allows seasons in his people's life which feel kind of small, fragile. You know, it says they, they were foreigners. They, this God had sent them out to this place, but they didn't feel at home. And they just felt like nomadic, and they felt fragile, and they felt like, we're not quite sure if we're meant to be here. And yet, they didn't know, but all that time where this little group of people felt vulnerable and fragile, and were wandering around in different places. God was protecting them. In the unseen realm, it says God was valuing this small thing. You see, this is fascinating because most humans value strength. We value bigness. We value things being mighty and clear and rooted, right? That's what, if you're in business, that's what you're aiming. Yeah, we're a startup. We're aiming to get sustainable. You know, we're aiming to be strong and independent. No human naturally likes fragile small wandering that's not a description you want for your life right anyone of course not but jesus think about jesus's life he loved he was always going after the children and he loved the widows he loved the poor the fragile and the peripheral and the sick jesus says oh the the kingdom of god is like a mustard seed What? what are you talking about messiah That's crazy talk. This is so God. Do you understand what we see as small and fragile and therefore not important? The first principle is God does allow small things because this is the truth. There's certain things that only can grow in the soil in your life when you feel a bit fragile and a little bit rootless and a little bit like, it's just true. When you just feel strong and steady and rooted, you know, often those are the least fruitful times in your life. And all of us push against it. But but there is this first principle, this uncomfortable scenario. God gives them all these promises, and then the first thing that we see is this small, fragile, rather unimpressive little nomadic group. I mean, doesn't that describe us? Let's be honest. If those of you have been in sanctuary, you know, God, we we in, Josie and I and our family, we moved from England. To plant this church, many of you have got, we're in, we're going to go for this. And then, boom, a pandemic happens. And 100,000 people leave the city, and it's like, it's still kind of here. And it's it's not this sort of super linear, you know, uh, exponential graph of mighty strength. It's just not. But guess what? That's how God often works. Small, but significant, and therefore protected. We've meet- meted in the last year. We've met in Golden Gate Park. We've met in Northgate Building. We've met at the beach. We've met in this great spot. We've met on Zoom. We've been this like, nomadic group. Lord, is this right? This feels fragile and small. But man, God has protected us. There's this amazing dignity. Some of you, at a personal level, there's been this small growth in trust again. You're starting to trust again. And you said, Tom, I got really hurt and I haven't been around church for a long time because I was hurt by people like you and church. But I'm learning this small thing is it's just fragile in me. But I, I think I think God's protecting it and like a little flower, it's growing. God is in that, friend. It's not an accident. There's small but significant things that are alive in you. Some of you are learning to be open to things of the Holy Spirit. And you've come from traditions where you talk about the Holy Spirit and... Anything to do with that, and you're like, "Woo, maniacs, and you've been like, "No, I, I think there's this kind. You, when you talk, Tom, and I, talk, I think there's a little bit of faith. It's a small thing, but I think God might be kind of protecting it. And I've seen that in you. I've seen that some of you. It's the un- whole understanding that church is not a building, and church isn't just services. Although that's amazing, and we love that. Church is a family. It's, it's this. It's this group wandering around the desert." The first church, you know, it's, it's not just about these services. And even as this year we've been forced to do things differently at times, I know some of you have been like, this is not what I'm used to, Tom. I'll be honest with you, you know, meeting at a skating, skate park, you know, or ice skating thing. Or how is that church? How is that? What is that? And there's this new understanding. That the people of God's history is not just 90 minutes in a building with a steeple. It's bigger than that. It's a people you belong to on Monday as well as Sunday. And God, it's a small thing in all of us. Oh, I'm beginning to see it, Tom. And it's come, and God is honouring it. And I praise you for it. I, I thank God for it. For me personally, I'll be honest with you, there's been times where I've thought, are we, are we meant to be here, right? I've been honest with you. I had lunch a few weeks ago with a pastor, and he told me he was leaving the city. And I said to him, Do you know, you're the 10th personal friend of mine who's like a pastor the 10th pastor of, in this city that has either felt a call to leave the city, has lost their faith, or had an affair. You're the 10th, who I personally have got close to in one year. And when that happens, to tell you, you know, and you're, I'm looking for, like, strength and st- rootedness and stability. I'm like, whoa, what's happening, Lord? But I want to tell you, even over Christmas, as we as a family... We didn't leave the city, and we often leave the city and go other places. We didn't this time, and we just felt right to be here. And as we walked around Mission Dolores Park, and we went up to the Painted Ladies, and we just chatted, to do, I felt God was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a new thing in you. It's small, Tom, in some ways, but I want you here, and I'm protecting it." So, guys, I want to say, what is this? My question is, what is the small but significant thing that maybe is starting to grow in your heart? That god in this moment of stillness just wants you to take note of he's probably protecting that and wants you to be mindful of it so that as you go ahead this year your lord there is this thing and it, and it isn't fully strengthened but it's real what is that for you what is that call what is that sense of something that's small but protected secondly the second scenario we see when God we look back on them I've summarized a star- God ordained situation where they're starving but ultimately provided for here we go verse 16 think about this this is the God who's so kind and loving with his people right his family what does he do how does he treat them look with me my friends at verse 16 he called down famine on the land pardon Tom Sounds a bit of a strange fatherly thing for God to do to his people. And he destroyed all their supplies. Say all. All All the supplies of food. What? And he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. They, They bruised his feet with shackles, his neck was put in irons, till what he foretold came to pass, till the word of the Lord proved him true. The king sent and released him. The rulers of the people set him free and he made him master of his household. He ruled over all he possessed to instruct his princes as he pleased and teach his elders wisdom. And Israel entered Egypt. Jacob resided as a foreigner in the land of Ham. Here we go, verse 24. And the Lord made his people very fruitful. So, the story now, stage two, they are now in a place where God sovereignly brings a famine on them this actually happened to his people a famine as in no food very 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 scary god brings a second very uncomfortable scenario in their life and he does ultimately bring joseph you heard about him who ends up becoming the prime minister of egypt where they go to and they have lots of food they're very fruitful okay there's a, there is a resolution. To the story but there is this both and it is that God allows this uncomfortable famine in their lives a sense of lack I wonder if God this year has allowed you to feel a sense of lack I used to have many friends and many friends I just feel like a famine of friendship I just feel like a famine of control I used to feel in control when then 2021 happened. I feel like a famine. I just don't know what's happening. Like a a famine of joy. But what's interesting is, what we see is, what happens to them because of that hunger in them? You can shout it out. What do they have to do, ultimately, because of that hunger? In the story. what, What do they do? Do they stay still? starve to death or did they what they they move don't they they move somewhere else now don't miss that the reason God allows areas of our life where we feel a sense of lack and hunger is because it gets us moving some of you the reason you're here is because ultimately you're like I am so spiritually starving you know covid i love online church to a degree or you know i have to be around people i'm relationally starving anyone here felt any just me then okay you lies you know we all have you're designed to be with people even with masks i'll take them off i hate masks but i'll wear it if we have to there is something in us that gets us to do it some of you have felt spiritual lack and so you i'm coming back to church i I have to do something it's got me moving the pain i would have never chosen that hunger that's why jesus says blessed are those who hunger for righteousness what i don't like being hungry i'm an american i'm british what are you talking about i do not like this weird jesus way blessed hunger is so crucial because it gets them moving it gets us, we need a certain level of holy hunger, and, and that comes from a lack. So this is the new way to frame, as you review this year, where were those areas in your life you felt some measure of lack? Just take us five seconds. An area you thought, I felt lacking. It was in my marriage. It was in my thought life. It was in some element of my life. Why did you feel that lack? Here's the question. What has God allowed you to lack in, in order to lead to a movement? Something in you that says enough. I have to change. I have to do something. You know, we wanna just medicate, right? (laughs) Medicate, medicate, medicate. TV, Netflix, travel, booze, whatever, sex. Anything to get rid of that feeling of lack. I just, no, no, no 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 it's a gift <laughs> it's so often a gift there's a gift in the famine because it gets us to go oh there's a next step for us for some of you there's even some of you there's a lack of sleep as you've had children some of those who've had new babies can't even be here because of various health reasons and you're watching this you know there's a there's a lack there's something that happens even i remember The sleep deprivation I went through with our three, oh my gosh, it was horrendous. (laughs) There's a lack of there's a famine of sleep. But it did and I saw more sin in me through that time, more selfishness. Josie, you go in the middle of the night. No, Tom, you go. It's your turn. Oh shut up, you know. There's this it's it's painful, but the lack is a weird gift of God. You know, even the fact as as we've mentioned, we had to shift our we were doing Sunday weekly meetings every week, and we are like, do you know what? We just aren't quite big enough to actually pull it off without killing us. So we're gonna change our rhythms for a short season so we can grow, and then when we launch weekly Sunday services, there'll be enough people to just have all hands on deck. That came out of a sense of like lack, but I, you know, I'm so grateful, because actually, I think the, the, the rhythms that we're doing on Sundays are incredibly life-giving and are putting things into us that we wouldn't get any other way. God is so clever. It's like he's actually God or something. Now, this is the the fascinating thing. Look what happens. The, the, The famine is allowed, the hunger is allowed to cause them to move. But look what happens. God catches them through the person of Joseph as they do. There is a our part and a God part. They move to Egypt. Oh, we're so starving. We've got to do something. And some of you have done, you know, you know your example of that. You've, you're, you I'm going to make new friends even though I do feel lonely and I've lost friends. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to go again. I'm going I'm to believe again. I'm going to hope again. And you've done that. And I honor you for that. Today, I honor you for doing that. I really mean it. But here's the promise is that God does catch you. He provides a Joseph. And he's caught us individually. And when you think back about your year, just think about it. What are the ways that as you have moved out of that place of pain, it's caused you to do different things. Just think about how God's been so faithful. So faithful. The King, he has been so faithful despite the chaos of of what we would never choose. For some of you, you've been like, my work is killing me, Tom. You know, I won't name names, I know some of you. And it's led you to risk again and and to apply for another job. And that's like painful and scary and exhausting. And some of you can already say, man, God's been so faithful. He is, He's caught me in this new job that's not perfect, but it is a gift from my king. Some of you have got health issues that you never imagined would come. And that is, there's a lack of health. There's a famine of health. But what it's caused, I can see in some of you already, there's a movement towards, can you help? I need help. I don't like asking for help, but actually family, church family, can, can you help? And I feel like mo- most of you would say, Do you know, I've, I've felt caught. Cool. This year, as we've had to rely on each other at times, there's actually like a blessing in that because it draws you together as a family as you push through pride and say, I need help. God's caught you. I think about the fact that we, you know, I said a few moments ago, we were like, wow, the Sunday service bit of church just requires a bit more capacity and we don't quite have enough yet and and so it led me to pray some of us praying God would you continue to bring people who can help strengthen us and out of the blue Angus who's originally from Scotland uh, from Cambridge in England suddenly like a week before Christmas or something I hear about this guy from Ang- called Angus who wants to come here, he saved up all his own money, sorry Angus, I'm going to embarrass you, just so he can live and not cost us a bean for five months in San Francisco. You do the math. And just, I just want to wash, you. I want to metaphorically wash your feet, not literally Tom, but I want to come and how can I serve this church? I'll do anything. I, I don't care. And you know he was in like Silicon Valley in Cambridge in England like and doing well and just God put it on his heart to come and serve us practically that is God catching us, Fred. That's not just like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, we're worthy of that. Thanks, Angus. No, we honor you, mate. We are like humbled that you would move, move 6,000 miles to serve a complete random group you don't even know. That's God. I, that fuels my faith for more Anguses. You know, for more Angi. You know, I'm like, God, would you would you do things that we can't even imagine? You'd be so faithful. I, you know, we're here, we're two and a half year, month, years in. We've had you know, some amazing external donors to help this British family survive financially in this city. No one expected COVID. Things are taking longer, et cetera, et cetera. So you know, a few weeks ago, we're, like, we're going to do an end of year campaign. And Tim does a brilliant end of year website, annual report thing. And um, we say to you guys, would you, you know, many of you have been giving already. Thank you. Keep doing it. Could you give on top of that? And I just want to announce, we're thrilled to say that over $10,000 extra has been given by you here in this little local group of churches in addition to what you've been giving throughout the year. That's amazing. What's equally amazing is that there's been also another 80000 given by external friends that we have who know what we're doing and are like, we believe in you and we think God's with you. And here is that tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars. Now, you know, that is, yeah, we can, boop, even just one person, Jenny, boop, thank you, Jesus. That's to have $90,000 and still donors I've got meetings with. I'm like, God, this is, I'm never, please let me never take this for granted with this little group. But God is with us, amen? That is not inevitable. Church plants close every single week in San Francisco. They get decimated. They run out of money. And God is sustaining, sustaining, sustaining. And it's a miracle. And God, I believe, is saying, you know, have your heart stiffened and and filled with faith as you look into the year. Be bold. Be like David with your little pebbles, taking on the Goliath of San Francisco. Because I've done it thousands of times. That's what I do. It's not about logic. It's about a God who is bigger than we can imagine. I must hurry up third scenario is that they're enslaved but powerfully set free then it goes sour they're given all this stuff it's great but then verse 24b he made them too numerous for their foes whose hearts he turned to hate his people so now what happens is they're in Egypt first it's great they get the food and then over time what happens is Egypt starts disliking them if you know the story and actually they turn on them and they feel hated and surrounded and over those several hundred years that they're there the tension builds and builds and builds and then I won't read it because of time but if you look down those verses what then happens is God sends a guy called Moses who comes and ultimately sets them free it says here in verse 20 36 then he that's God struck down all the firstborn in Egypt in their land to get the Israelites out the first fruits of all their manhood He brought out Israel laden with silver and gold, and from among their tribes no one faltered. So this third picture is God now allows them to be enslaved. First he allows them to be small and fragile, then he allows them to be starving hungry, metaphorically and literally. Then God allows them to be enslaved. And although he ultimately sets them free, there is a sense in which it is fascinating that even in this situation, God allows them to feel the hatred of people around them. The people around them hated them. Now, that's a fascinating line. Why did God allow his people to be hated by Egypt? Why did that happen? Well, one of the fascinating things you learn later on in the story is, when Israel get out of slavery, they actually keep talking about how wonderful it was. <laughs> they like, oh, we want to go back. Oh, we wish we were still in slavery. It's fascinating. They moan about being set free because it's difficult and different and disorientating. They want to go back into slavery. Here's the twist. They actually loved, in many ways, being enslaved. There were elements of it that were, awfully, were obviously awful. But the scriptures tell us that there was something about that slavery that was actually appealing to them. Isn't that a story? Isn't that a picture of what, for many of us, our lives are like? You know, Jesus, if you know Jesus, talks about setting you free from sin and from old ways of living. Yay, sounds great. Yeah, but actually, interestingly, our old way of living can kind of be pleasant. There's a reason why we do things we shouldn't do because it feels good right and just as egypt uh israel wanted to go back to egypt we can want to go back and even this year how many people do i know i mean i had a meal last night with a dear friend of mine who no longer believes in god no longer believes in the bible He was a pastor in the city here for many years and I love him and I honour him and he's still a very dear friend of mine and there is no scrap of judgment. But there is something about the temptation to to go back in times where it's difficult, which is huge. You know this, right? The amount of people who are doing that. Now, God can use all things amazingly, ultimately, to bring people to a place of strength and glory, but we also believe that it's not always like that. So... I think one of the reasons that he caused them to to feel a hatred from the people around them, to a people that they were gonna later on wish they were still with, is because it was a strange kind of gift again. Now let me explain this. Them knowing that those people that they were surrounded by hated them, gives them and gave them a window into the reality of humanity. And my view is that God dearly loves people, but ultimately we are also very broken and we can very easily hurt one another. So they needed to understand these people that they were going to later idolise. Oh, we wish we were back there. He's like, no, no, no. I wanted Israel to feel a bit of that hatred, a bit of that pain, because when, if you're someone who, like me, is prone to people, please. Anyone here? Anyone here? brave enough to say I occasionally like I really care what people think about me what that implies is they're worthy of my care and concern right I think of them highly oh people what does my boss think what does the church think and we can so obsess about what people think and then you have that experience where people really hurt you they really hurt you and I hate that but you know what I'm learning to embrace it because it teaches me something very important that God is doing here. If, I'm in, if I love people too much and if I love people more than God, I become enslaved to them. That's why for 40 years of my life I have been gripped with, ang- with anxiety, much of it. At the root of it is because I want to control how people think about me. I want them to like me and everything is ultimately about doing this performance so that it goes well so people think well of me. And this year, as I look back, one of the strange gifts has been people hurting me. (laughs) And unfortunately, I'm sure part of that is my own oversensitivity. But it's true, and I'm sure I've hurt others. But this is the strange gold. It talks about them being laden with gold and silver, doesn't it? I love that image. They come out of slavery laden with gold and silver. Why is that there? Because as you come out from a time, I'm subtly enslaved to people needing to people please and I need actually to see these people as people to be loved but not to be worshipped and every time that human slightly hurts me I am healthily reminded they're not God they're just a person and it's a gift that can ground us and ultimately even begin to set us free from anxiety it's amazing and that's That means we come out laden with gold and silver i can say i woke up every single morning of my life with like a physical anxiety in my body the very first thing i would wake up and this year in october after tremendous amounts of different you know like prayer things and help with counselors and different things but one of the bits of gold and silver was realizing you know people are not worthy of your worship tom don't worship them love them be friends with them but don't Don't look to them for what only your Father can give you. And I feel like I've come out of, genuine. I feel like God's delivered me from a massive part of my life being gripped with with anxiety. It's wonderful. But it came through the pain of feeling, oh, they kind of hate me. Or they certainly don't like me. And they may not. You know? And actually realizing, no, God, you are kind. You are using these situations. So my question for you is this year, what silver and gold are you coming out of this year with they came out and there was silver and gold for me it's been as I've mentioned I would say for us as a church plant us having to change our rhythms pausing small groups pausing weekly services and doing social activities and serving the city activities and having once a month for pop-ups and house churches But praying on Tuesdays all together, as we do every Tuesday night, and you're so welcome, praying rather than just having small groups, I think there's two bits of gold and silver that we are carrying that we didn't even have a few months ago to the same degree is an increasing shared culture of spirit-led prayer. I can see it. As we gather on Tuesday nights, and some of you have driven all across the city, and I honour you for it. It's the last thing you want to do. I can see the gold of prayer in this church plant growing more and more and more. That's something I think God's given us that we wouldn't have had if we hadn't had to go through this change of the ways that we work. And the second thing, the other silver and gold that I think God's giving us is fresh faith to love our neighbours, to know our neighbours, to actually be on mission and to see God connect us and give us friendships some of which may even lead to people coming to know Jesus who don't most of us you know are not necessarily hardwired like that but I think as I look over this year I think God you've been doing that I would have I would have never I would have never chosen this wiggly path of you know stopping Sunday services for a season and doing prayer instead but I look at it and I think yeah you're you're setting us free to pray more and to love more and I am so grateful to God for doing that. The final thing, the fourth scenario that we see here, is that they are sent, finally, yet again into another disorientating, disorientating uh, season. but God is with them. He guides them. Verse 20: 39. "He spread out a cloud as a covering and a fire to give light at night. They asked, and He brought them quail. He fed them well with the bread of heaven and then he opened the rock and water gushed out and it flowed like a river in the desert. So the fourth uncomfortable thing, chapter in their story, they're small but protected. They're starving but ultimately provided. They're enslaved but ultimately set free with gold and silver. The fourth scenario that I think we can resonate with is guess what? They are sent out yet again but... God promises to guide them by day with a cloud of pillar and by night with fire now if there is one topic that is always top of the kind if you get to a conference and, and there's a seminar on guidance knowing what God wants you to do it is always the highest thing and I know as we start this year so many of us are like God I've got these questions I've got these thoughts I need your guidance And this is the wonderful scenario. God does send them out yet again. He doesn't let them settle. And there's a sense in which as we try to gather ourselves into January, God is sending us out yet again. Here we go again. Here we go again. It's going to be a different landscape like it was for them. Things are different. Things are changing. But the promise is that he is totally with them and will guide them. He will guide them and he will guide us. Just take for a moment, just think about the last year, How many times, hundreds of times probably, if you're anything like me, in the, you know, like today's Sunday, right? In the week coming up, you had things that you were subtly worried about. How's this going to go? What should I do about this thing? Even now, I know many of you are like, I don't know which way it's going to go. I don't know what I should do. And that can create this sense of anxiety. You look back on this year, and can any of us, really with a straight face, not say, as we look back despite this chaotic year in many ways the king jesus has been faithful in each and every situation it may not have gone the way you even thought but as you look back on it some of you are even here i don't even know how i'm here and i look back and yet god has been faithful i prayed with some of you what which school should my child go to and, we, and we're there, oh no, maybe it's here. But we look back and go, God, it's not perfect, it's not without issues, but God, you have been faithful. Hey Tom, should I start this relationship? Should I stop this relationship? Should I leave San Francisco? Should I stay? Man, we've last year carried these questions. And God sent you. And isn't it true? Can't we honor our King and say, yes, Father, before we even plan too much of this year, as we look back, it's not always been comfortable. But he has guided us can we agree with that is that yeah you can nod amen we it's it's true he has been faithful every step of the way and i think and i'll finish with this i do think a shared way a corporate or a community level thing that we needed guidance on when we shared in september you know we we can't pull off weekly sunday services what do we do and then God's, I felt God gave us this rhythm of, as I've mentioned, Tuesday night prayer meetings, and on Sundays I, I want you to do social stuff where you're still gathering, and you're really building friendships, not just doing a service, and then you're serving the city, so you're meeting people who care about SF, and you're, ser- you're doing services, pop-ups and house church, but it's a different mix. And, uh, and as he gave us that... I felt like it was kind of God's guidance. That wasn't just, I don't think, my bright idea. And as we look back over even just the last three months, for what it's worth, I feel like, I feel like, this picture here is in this this scene where God guides them. It talks about them rejoicing. It talks about them uh, where there was water has gushed out of a rock. It flowed like a river. There's shouts of joy. I feel like, in so many ways there has been a joy as we've been praying together as we've been meeting together that has been different I think there's been times in our church life over the last year when it's felt really flat and hard and difficult and I think actually as we've done sweater parties and as we've we've done a whole load of different things there has been this a growing sense of family and rejoicing like that video was picking up on it's amazing to think over the last three months since we changed our Sunday Uh, rhythms we've had somewhere between 40 to 50 guests who have come for the first time to some of our different events which which are real new friends to this to us in this place um god has been giving us and i just want to say finally you know i know these things just haven't just happened this is required each of us saying how can i help what can i do tom How can I help in my own way to to actually see this this church strengthened? And I just want to say thank you, first of all, Tim and Kelsey Harms and Josie, my wife, who have organised not one but two different street cleanups in the city in the last few months, which many of us were involved with, probably didn't entirely want to do at first, and we did it in faith, and then we ended up actually finding... This is a meaningful way to spend our time as the church. Serving the city, meeting people in a practical way and having neighbours cheering us on. Way, thank you so much. And connecting with non-profits, non-Christian non-profits who are always needing volunteers. And saying, thank you, Sanctuary Church. You know, Together SF, as they said, we were the first people to give them any donation. And they're saying, we want to help. You've been here longer than us. We want to serve. Thank you for making that happen, Tim Mckelsey, Thank you, Billy and Amanda, who aren't here today. They're, they've got COVID at home. Thank you as you watch this or listen to this uh, for organizing the Crane Cove social that happened a few months ago. Thank you, um, uh, Hannah and Phil Walker for organizing the block party on Halloween, which you didn't have to do, but you did do. And it brought together people who had never met in that neighborhood. There was one amazing story of a guy called Larry in his 80s and a guy called David in his 70s. And David said to Larry, I, I was chatting to Larry and they said, oh, I need to introduce them. And David said, oh, Larry, yeah, I know you. You're my neighbor. Uh, we've never met. And they've been neighbors for 26 years. And they met through the block party. And I personally have become great friends with Larry. He's an amazing compo- uh, a pianist. He played at our Christmas carol sweater party in our garden. The garden in his 80s. Who just is our neighbor and I'm like God you have done something you are doing something that probably wouldn't happen if we just did the same rhythm that we've always done and and I want to say thank you Hannah and Phil for doing your part and God then does his part thank you Castleberg are so also not here today for organizing their Fleet Week air show that we were involved with um, and also the uh, urban hike where many of us went thank you um, Toombs, again also on here Uh, with a little baby so taking things safe uh, who have organized our alpha courses um, over the last year thank you Ryan for stepping up and helping me with the social media side of things which uh, as a 44 year old guy who's not exactly uh, captain you know relevant thank you so much for helping me do that thank you Robbie for organizing the ice skating next week you don't have to do that but you're choosing to say I will help Thank you, Jackie, who's also not here, uh, who is organising the the hike in a few weeks' time. Thank you, Morris, for organising a tree planting uh, day that we're going to be doing in a few weeks. Again, to bless the city and to get to know people. Well done, Sanctuary. Thank you. Keep going is what I'm saying. Thank you for being present. Thank you for serving. Thank you for inviting people. Thank you for communicating when you can't come. You know, at the beginning stage of this, when we're like a little baby startup, you saying, hey guys, I can't come because of this, but I'm praying for you and I'm with you. That really makes the difference, because you are missed, you, are, you matter. And it's, and it's been so beautiful to see that growing communication culture really grow. Thank you for starting spikeball clubs. Thank you for starting art clubs in the heart of the city that, that toddlers have come and parents have come um, in great numbers. Thank you for coming to pub nights and for organising whiskey nights and weaving nights uh, this is not normal is what i'm saying okay this is not normal you may be picking that up in the midst of a pandemic most people are just thinking about themselves and surviving and i just want to say sanctuary look at me i love you and i'm so proud of you and i you 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 don't have to be in this little scrappy startup of a church plant you could easily be in like a mega church and go thank you i'll come once a month and go and you're not you know, and there's huge blessings to being in something of this silent scale and, and, and in its journey. And you're not like martyrs. I know you're loving it, enjoying it mainly. But I want to say thank you today for what it's worth. I want to say thank you because it means it's a shared thing and it's, it's not normal. One of you recently said to me, you know, a few months ago, uh, I had no one to invite to any of our events. I just didn't really know anyone in the city. And then when we had the men's uh, whiskey fire night, I had 10 people I could invite. None of them could come, but I had 10 people I could invite. Friends, meaningful guy friends who wanted to come. I was like, good for you, man. Well done. You know, we don't just want to go into our bubbles and survive. As Christians, we want to be a city on a hill. We want to be salt that impacts and is is actually uh, connecting with the world around us. So what does the next year look like? I don't really know. But I tell you what, I'm excited about the rhythms God's given us, about praying on Tuesday nights and gathering at the weekend. I'm so excited. If you're new here, I want to encourage you, join us. Come and be part of this little happy group as we follow Jesus, as we follow the cloud, as we follow the fire. I think honestly I don't know exactly the details we're hoping to launch weekly Sunday public services by September which will soon be here Um, I think that will probably happen I don't know exactly the details of what this of what this year is gonna look like but I do know as I look back that when we get to this time next year we'll look back and say God you've been so faithful you have been using all the circumstances that we often you know want to sort of push back on to do different things in us God is doing great things I had um, I was down at a church in Visalia called Radiant a few weeks ago and an older gentleman grabbed me and just said Tom he doesn't know me, he just said I, I know you're in ch- your church planting in San Francisco and he said I feel like there's been this like I can see almost a, kind of heavy cloak on you it's old and dark and heavy. I just feel like God's taking it off and he's putting this new coat of favour on you. And he's not like a wacky guy. He's really like, you know, legit and kind of normal. And he just said, I just also feel like there's a new season of favour coming on you and the church plant that you're part of and your family. And he said it's going to be like every single channel on the radio is just jammed with the message favor 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 God's favor is coming God's favor is coming and when I think about even some of the things I've shared over the last few minutes it has been hard it's been really difficult and I would be a telling lies if I if I just was all like hey let's hype it up but has not God been in that difficult soil at times has he not been faithful Has he not been a king who has been kind and loving and never malicious and never wanting our harm, always wanting our good? Even if other people want stuff for our harm, he uses it for good and he is worthy of praise. So can we stand to our feet? We're going to see one final closing